Welcome to week four of Living Lent. Lent is a time when we're invited into the story of Jesus, to live it, breathe it, and allow it to shape us. Let's take a moment now to invite the Spirit of God to come and settle our hearts and minds. We're continuing our walk alongside Jesus, trying to understand the merciful humility of God. This week, we will look more closely at what it was about Jesus that drew people so immediately and so wholeheartedly to him. We'll begin by praying this prayer of abandonment. It's written by Charles de Foucault, a French Catholic soldier, explorer and hermit, martyred in 1916 whose whole life's dream was to love God and love other people. My Father, I abandon myself to you. Make of me what you will. Whatever you make of me, I thank you. I am ready for everything. I accept everything. Provided that your will be done in me, in all your creatures, I desire nothing else, Lord. I put my soul in your hands. I give it to you, Lord, with all the love in my heart, because I love you, and because it is for me a need of love to give myself, to put myself in your hands unreservedly, with infinite trust. For you are my Father. Amen. It is clear from the very beginning of his mission that Jesus' ministry strategy is not designed around winning influential friends or avoiding conflict. Everything about the way that he does life is upside down, unsettling, destabilizing always inspiring, yet sometimes jarring, illogical, even offensive. And yet few people who meet Jesus are indifferent to him. There is an indefinable something about Jesus that draws people in. What is it about Jesus that means a diverse circle of disciples responds immediately to his call? leaving behind homes, families, and settled ways of life to follow him. Jesus' enigmatic something has often been described as authority. What or who comes to your mind when you hear that word? Interestingly, as we read about Jesus' interactions with different individuals, it seems that the more institutional authority people have, whether that's imperial authority or religious authority, the less they like Jesus. They are confronted with a man who is uncomfortably challenging, 
Jesus' life and his teaching seem to declare God is not on the side of the respectable or the wealthy, the powerful or the successful. Jesus' life, ministry, death and resurrection represent a fundamental challenge to the ordinary understanding of power. It's as if he deliberately misunderstands how the world works. Jesus won't accept the obvious badges of power. His alluring authority is not built upon the standards commonly equated with power, those being wealth or status. No, Jesus' authority comes from his complete dependence on his Father. Jesus' authority comes from his complete dependence on his Father. Here's how Jane Williams puts it. Anyone relying on religion or power or money as a form of certainty that does away with the necessity of dependence on God is missing the point. And that seems to be why those who have nothing else to depend upon find themselves instantly at home with the merciful humility of God. It makes space for them as no human systems do. It gives them a value that is based in the one who does the valuing, God, rather than in what the person being valued can put forward in their own defence. In God's economy, those valued most seem to be those most needing of God. Those whose need of God is not muffled in false security. Those who feel an overwhelming need of Jesus. In the quiet, let's ask ourselves, is there anything that muffles our need of Jesus? Spend some time talking to Jesus about these things. Lord, 
Thou camest to save me And all that love of God could give And Jesus by his sorrows gave me And thou didst give thyself for me Now I give myself to Thee And Thou didst give Thyself for me And now I give myself to Thee By the thorn the crown thy brow by the spear wound and the nailing by the pain and death I now claim O Christ thy love unfailing thou didst give thyself for me Now I give myself to Thee Thou didst give Thyself for me And now I give myself to Thee Will Thy own the gift I bring All my pain The I give thee Thou art my exalted king Of thy just love forgive me Thou didst give thyself for me Now I give myself to Thee Thou didst give Thyself for me Now I give myself to This week's reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20, the account of the calling of the disciples. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone on a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. 
Something of Jesus's mysterious authority is shown in the immediate response of the disciples to his call, their willingness to leave everything and at once follow him. At this point, we'll dig a bit deeper into the choices Jesus made when selecting those who would become his closest friends and allies in his campaign, those who would be at the heart of the team. I wonder if you were starting something new, who would you set about recruiting? Who would you choose to be at the heart of the team? And what do you think Zebedee thought about all of this? Perhaps the hardest thing for us to accept when we look at this disparate bunch of disciples is that they were not selected because of their individual merits. Jesus didn't call them because of their superior leadership qualities or gifts. They didn't contribute something vital to God's plans. This feels wrong, so hard for us to accept, so different from what we're conditioned to believe in our culture of achievement and reward. Wouldn't it be easier for us to make sense of the situation if each disciple was chosen because they brought a unique skill or talent to the group, or because they had earned their place in some way. But as we've already seen, in God's economy, power and authority are turned on their head. What matters is obedience. What matters is a heart position that says yes to Jesus' upside-down authority, to the revolutionary power of God. Each disciple saw Jesus' authority and said yes and amen to the adventure. How does your heart respond to that phrase, what matters is obedience? St. Francis of Assisi, perhaps the best-loved saint, was a man whose life was marked by obedience, poverty and dependence. He lived a life of outrageous humility. He spent his life shedding detachments to worldly comforts and trappings, and along the way he discovered real joy. Hear this about St. Francis. While he was living as though he was the centre of the world, somehow nothing was very meaningful. But when he abandoned everything to depend on God alone, the world became a place of piercing, ecstatic beauty. Everything became valuable in its own right and able to offer up its loveliness, not as a commodity, but as a gift. Francis found joy in poverty, joy in obedience, joy in total dependence on his loving father. 
As we bring our time together to a close, consider this. When did you last feel joy? And why? Collect all of your thoughts and bring them to Jesus as prayer. We'll use St. Francis's own words by way of closing in prayer together. Lord, let us desire nothing else. Let us wish for nothing else. Let nothing else please us and cause us delight, except our Creator and Redeemer and Saviour, the one true God. Amen.